Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, our Canada Day special. Of course, airing the day after Canada Day. Hope everybody enjoyed it. We're going to have two great special guests on the show. Corbin Smith, Canadian men's para-ice hockey player who just won a silver medal in Ostrava. Czech Republic will join us first. Then we will be, we will be joined by Canadian women's softball player Janet Leung to chat about the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. Just want to touch on something as well. We acknowledge that Canada Day is usually a day of celebration for everybody and i hope everybody enjoyed it like i said but uh I'm wearing orange just in recognition of everything that's been going on with indigenous residential school discoveries uh we stand with the indigenous people and the indigenous communities here in midwestern ontario and across our country uh we all need to take part in this and, and be part of helping these communities heal this is important work that's being done and we recognize that here on mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. I'm Ryan Drury. That is Steve Savern, and Clarkie is here as well. We're extremely pleased to be joined by a very special guest, Canadian paramens ice hockey player and recent silver medalist corbin smith of moncton ontario is on the line corbin how are you i'm doing great how are you guys doing thanks for having me absolutely dude thanks for doing this after uh, a busy couple weeks for yourself and and the team uh a silver medal finish in ostrava obviously not the finish that you wanted uh, i know you wanted that gold but still an incredible finish just your feelings on how the tournament went and what that experience was like for you over in the czech republic with the guys yeah of course um yeah like you said not 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 the uh um, uh, finish we wanted, but, uh, it, you know, it is what it is. Um, we, we really were out there. We, 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 we did everything we could. Um, but it just wasn't our night. Um, like I said before, there's so many great things to take away from that tournament. Um, moving into the Paralympics next year, um, with, with COVID over the, over the past couple of months, it made it really difficult, um, with lack of training camps and, and stuff like that. But, um, what we were able to do with, with what we had, um, you know, I, I still feel confident in, in our team and I, I really do believe in our team right now. So Corbin, what did you have to go through uh, with the COVID protocols? How much testing did you have to do? And when you arrived over there, did you have to go into quarantine or anything? Yeah. So I got my first shot of uh, the vaccination when I went over, uh, or sorry, just before I went over. And then when we were there, it was every like two or three days we were getting tested uh, for COVID. So um, I, 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 as far as I know, there there's no positive tests there in, in, in the whole bubble. So um, overall, it was a great success. Um, tell us a little bit about the tournament. You guys kind of got out of the gate uh, pretty strong. Um, when you look at your roster, uh, tell us a little bit about the veteran core and and uh, who, who, the, who uh, I guess, led the way for, for the team. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, we, we played uh, the, our... Arrivals the first game in the states, um, and we we played very well. We uh, we came out and dominated on the special teams, and, and we ended up beating them two to one. Um, it, it was a great game for us, and, and you know, really, it just it just gave us that extra extra confidence, I guess, moving forward into the rest of the tournament. Um, you know, as as for leadership, um, we we really do have a, a really tight team, and, and everybody's pitching into. Um, obviously, we have our veteran leaders, our our you know our Greg Westlake, our Billy Bridges, and in our captain too, Tyler McGregor. But at the same time, we, we also have so many young guys coming up and, 
and, and you know they're just so like it, i don't know how they do it but you know everybody's such a leader on that team i i think all the background they come from and and just you know being able to to, to represent canada they i don't know like they just show the the, the leadership you know what i mean Corbin, uh, we're chatting with Corbin Smith, member of the Canadian men's para ice hockey team who won the silver medal in Ostrava, Czech Republic this past weekend. Uh, this show is airing the day after Canada Day, so it's it's great to have a great Canadian athlete on with us. And, and you mentioned that, you know, you guys all playing for Canada and pulling that maple leaf over your head and wearing that on your sweater. Just how much does that mean to you, Corbin? I mean, you're from a really small town. It's, it's right down the road from where I'm sitting right now, uh, Moncton, Ontario. I know they're extremely proud of you. You. they've got the signs up uh, at either end of town and and that's fantastic but like you said there's guys from all different backgrounds guys from bigger cities small little towns like yourself what's it mean to you and all those guys to pull that maple leaf over your head and represent your country uh it, you know it's amazing um i can sit here and give you all the cliche uh, answers and stuff like that but um i i can honestly say that i have the best job in the world um you know representing your country and, and playing hockey. I love hockey. I've loved it since I was a child. So playing at the highest level and, and representing Canada and uh, it's, it's nothing short of a dream come true. Um, and, and, you know, as for the community, holy cow, I, I, I truly do have the, the, the best support, the best community, the best family, the best friends, everybody's there, um, you know, shooting me emails, shooting me text messages and, and commenting on my posts and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a truly a blessing and, and I'm, I'm really thankful and, and grateful that I have everybody. Corbin, I want to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to some of the coaches you've had along the way and some guys who maybe have mentored you along the way and uh, got to you to where you are today. Oh um, yeah, definitely. I uh, started out in Hensel and it um, I, not, not a bit, not a big club there. So I started out there and, and went to Kitchener and then, I've had I've had a lot of a lot of great coaches in over my years and uh, moving on to the provincial team too. Um, you know, you have your your Todd Sargent. He was a really big influence in my career, um, and then and then up to the national team. Um, you know, what's really cool about the national team too is is we have we have our head coach who's been the head coach of our team for for probably six or seven years now, but we also have you know a bunch of uh, uh, guest coaches. So. Um, our, our assistant coaches will usually change every couple of years. So, um, you know, right now we have Mike Foligno, um, as our assistant coach right now, which is pretty, pretty incredible. Hmm. And, um, you know, over the, over the past couple of years, we've had, we've had so, so many great names and, and stuff. And it's, it's awesome because you, you learn something different from everybody. Um, and you know, you piece it together and, and take what you will. But, um, I've definitely learned a lot over, over my, uh, over my career, just from, you know, the diverse coaches that we've had. Um, looking at uh, some of the stuff that the team works on, uh, when you look at strategies and I guess uh, what the team has to do to win, I guess what will you have to do to prepare for the upcoming Paralympics? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we, we play a, a really you know, fundamental game of hockey where we are, we are, we, we like to dominate the special teams. We like to have a good, a good four check and we like to be a physical team. So, you know, our motto on the team is, is a smart, fast and physical team. Um, you know, we have, you know, some of the best athletes across Canada. So, um, smart, like everybody on the team is so, so good positionally and, and knowing what to do at, at, at every time. So, 
um, and, you know, physical, that's the, that's the fun part, you know, um, you know, establishing a good four check or, 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 you know, defending through the middle, it's, um, you know, it's awesome. And, and I think that um, moving forward to the Paralympics, we just have to, you know, I think if we get a good couple uh, months ahead of us here, uh, have a bunch of camps, get some stuff figured out, um, you know, I think we'll be in a good space. Like I said earlier, coming out of that, the tournament that we just had, we're, we're in a great spot right now. Um, yeah, it wasn't the, there's all we wanted, obviously, but like I said, there was so many good things that we can take away from that. And like I said, I, I do believe in our team. Corbin, uh, for some of the people who haven't seen you play, describe your play. You're not the biggest guy out there for sure, but describe your play and what do the coaches ask you to do on a daily basis? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm a, I played a second line center role in this tournament. Um, like you said, I'm not, I'm not a very big guy. I'm five, seven, 140 pounds. Um, but you know, centering, I'm a really big uh, communicator. I'm, I'm a leader out there, um, and you know, I just try to direct traffic. I'm 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 a I'm a good playmaker, and and I'm, hmm. I'm I try to be always in position. <laughs> nice, absolutely. You know, Corbin, uh, I, I remember a few years ago when you started this whole journey and, you know, it's almost uh, for athletes, it's tough because you reach a certain level, then you go up a step and then it's almost like you're starting over again and you got to earn your spot. How is that uh, challenge? How is that challenge for you mentally and physically to try to, I guess, rebuild yourself to get uh, higher up in the lineup? Yeah, definitely. Um, when I, when I first made the team, I was so excited that I made the team, but you know, the hardest part was after that was making a spot in the lineup. You know what I mean? I was so excited that I made the team. And then, you know, I, I, I sat, I ended up sitting a bunch of games my first season and, you know, it wasn't where I wanted it to be, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's all about, it's all about putting in the work really as cliche as it is. Um, and, and like you said, it is very taxing mentally and physically too. Um, but, you know, people develop at different speeds. Um, and, and the last thing you want to do is compare yourself to others. Um, you know, you just got to trust the process and follow, follow your plan because, um, you know, I, I was in a spot on this team where I didn't want to be, uh, for, for a couple of seasons. And, and really it just came down to, to putting in the consistent work. And, and, um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I am right now playing a second line center role. Um, I got great line mates. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we continue to chat with Corbin Smith, member of Team Canada's para ice hockey men's team that just won silver in Ostrava. And like you said, looking forward to the Paralympics in Beijing, February 4th to February 20th in 2022. So you just got back from the Czech Republic. You're going to be going to China to one of the marquee cities in the world. It's going to be an incredible trip for you. Um, are you looking forward to that? Uh, hopefully, you know, COVID is a little more under control. It, it seems to be over there based on reports, which uh, sound promising. Uh, you didn't get to tour around the Czech Republic much when you were over there, but you must be uh, excited to go over to China and see a city like Beijing. What's that going to be like for you? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, the Paralympics are one thing to experience too with, uh, with just the, the the group of athletes that are there, the the closing and opening ceremonies and, and just the just the environment that, you know, that you're in is one thing, but um, I'm really excited to experience China. And like you said, I hope that COVID is under control. So, you know, we can, we can maybe see a bit of the city. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, when I was in 20, it was 2017, when we were going over to Korea for, for the Paralympics there, I, I, I was kind of, 
a little bit hesitant on going over to Korea. I was like, oh, I wish it was somewhere else. But when I got there, it, it's, you know, it's truly a beautiful country. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to go over to China and, and see, what it, see what it's like over there. Can you pick one favorite place you've been while playing? Um, yeah, so Italy. I, I, loved, I loved Italy. Um, in 2019, in the world's in Czech Republic there too. Um, a group of, of us went to Austria after the tournament. So I don't know if that counts, but <laughs> sure. after the tournament, we went to Austria and Austria was so beautiful. We had a blast. Nice. You know what? It's, it's interesting because, um, I know with, with my daughter, uh, not quite in athletics, but from, uh, educational standpoints, she's traveled and really traveling is a big part of growth too, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you play the game, but being able to visit other countries, other cultures, and meet other people uh, is a is an amazing eye opening experience. Oh, definitely. You know, you learn the language too a little bit. You you learn how to say thank you and, and hi and everything like that. And yeah, like you said, just just see, seeing seeing the way that, that other people live and other countries live and, and the way they go about their lives. It's you know, it's 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 the same but it's actually completely different too um than around here well it's it's a lot different than months and i can tell you that for free but um no it's awesome um yeah you, you learn so much over there you know I've, I'm, I'm really fortunate with uh you know all the places that i've i've gone to travel corbin you know i i know that everybody around this area is so excited for you and uh, everybody was really excited that you you won the silver medal obviously wanted gold but uh, hey it's nothing to sniff at and everybody around here is is so behind you uh you're a really inspiring guy i know a lot of people around here would definitely second my sentiment there i'm curious though throughout your life maybe not even necessarily within the game itself who inspires you um you know, it's, it's, it's always been my family. Um, I'm a big family guy. Um, I've been on the road for, for two months and I just got home on, on Sunday and, and holy cow, I miss my family. Um, uh, you know, I, I and, and I, I play for them and, you know, they inspire me and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky with, uh, with, with the support I have, the community, my friends and my family. It's, it's, uh, it's truly amazing. Well, we're we're lucky to be able to watch you in your journey. We're excited for February because I know everybody around the area will be watching you in Beijing. Uh, final question here for me. Uh, I just want to know, uh, you mentioned you've loved hockey your whole life. Uh, we're all in the exact same boat uh, for all of its quirks and different things. I mean, hockey certainly has united all of us as friends. Uh, I'm curious, do you have a favorite NHL team? Is it Clarkie's Maple Leafs? And if it is, he's going to have about five or six questions for you. Is are the Leafs your team? Um, I've I've had a, a few different teams over over the years. Uh, you know, I was a big Vancouver Canucks fan um, in the early years. Um, my Make a Wish um, in 2010, we actually got out to the Vancouver Olympics, and and they gave me tickets to a Canucks game. Hmm. So um, I've always loved the Canucks. Um, and then I'm also an Edmonton Oilers fan too, a little bit. I uh, it, this was before McDavid, so I'm not on that wagon. But okay. he's a great player. Um, Fair enough. It, it was it was Jordan Everly that that got me on the Oilers on the Oilers wagon. So, um, and yeah, I'm a Leafs fan. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you can admit it. It's okay. We can stick together. <laughs> yeah. We can stick together. So you're like a Mitch Marner type player. Is that how you describe yourself when he's playing um, well? 
Yeah, we just play well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not like the playoffs. We won't have to. No. We don't have to get it. A little more effort from Corbin. Right. Well, I'll, I'll ask you this <laughs> yeah. on on Clarky's behalf. Then uh, yeah. put your GM hat on for a second. What would you do with the Leafs? What do they need? What's what's the piece or two that they're really missing? Oh yeah. Um, well, playoff performers for one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I like it, it. It could be experience, but at the same time, you look at the guys that they have, like Spezza and Thornton, and, and you know the Wayne train. But I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I like I like their team. Like on paper, their team is amazing. Um, it's just coming coming down to executing. Um, you know when it matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be the thing. Hey, you know Tampa Bay, they're they're three wins away as we record this from another Stanley cup. And they basically kept their core group together through a lot of difficult times, including getting swept by Columbus. Maybe the Leafs just got to stand pat and keep going at it with a hammer here. We'll see. Uh, Corbin, we really appreciate your time again. Congratulations on the silver medal. Everybody around here was really, really excited. And we're really excited to see you at the Paralympics in Beijing this February. Corbin Smith of the Canadian men's national pair ice hockey team. We really appreciate this brother. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Seriously, this is uh, this is awesome. All right, we'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports. When we come back, we'll chat with another great Canadian athlete, Janet Leung, the shortstop of the Canadian women's softball team. Coming up next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin and Clarkie. Still, we appreciate Corbin Smith, a member of the Canadian men's pair ice hockey team, for joining us. And now we're pleased to be joined as well on our Canada Day special here by another great Canadian athlete, Janet Leung of the Canadian women's softball team joins us. Janet, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. We know you guys are really busy. Obviously, the Olympics are around the corner. And, you know, for an athlete like yourself, always a busy schedule, keeping in shape and everything like that. What's the preparation been like for you as, you know, the Olympics are around the corner for you and the team? What has this last year been like with COVID thrown in the mix and everything? How difficult has it been to prepare? And what's the journey been like? It's definitely something that we did not or we did not envision going into um, the beginning of the 2020 season. Um, I think COVID kind of threw everyone on the loop and just we kind of adapted as as we went through the days and it was hard in the beginning. Um, I think just because the Olympics were still supposed to happen in the summer of 2020. So we still had to find ways to prepare ourselves and make sure that we were going to be prepared for Tokyo. And I think once the Olympics were postponed. We were able to take a little bit of a breath and take a little bit of a break off softball just to have our minds right. Um, once we got back into training, um, full time. And then I guess fast forward to now we've been together, um, since March, um, of 2021, we've been training together as a team in Florida, bouncing to Southern Illinois as well. And, um, I think overall as a team, like we've been able to really be adaptable and just, um, take it day by day and, I think just having such a close-knit group, it's been a lot easier getting through um, this pandemic Olympic year, I guess. Janet, you've uh, been playing shortstop. Tell us a little bit about the rest of the team and uh, who we can expect to see uh, on the field uh, come the Olympics. Yeah, um, 
Well, we've been a pretty close, like we've had the same people for the past um, couple years now. And the cool thing about our team, there's only 15 of us on the roster going to Tokyo. So definitely a smaller roster compared to uh, normal softball teams, so, which is a little bit tough. But I think the cool part is with our team, we really are going to be using all 15 athletes on our team um, in all games in order to hmm. work towards that gold medal. Um, we have four pitchers with us. Um, we have Jenna Kyra, Sarah Gronwagen, Danielle Laurie, and Lauren Bay, two of which were um, former Olympians, Danielle Laurie and Lauren Bay. Um, and then behind the plate, we have Kaylee Rafter and Allie Weidman. And then um, on the infield, there's myself, Emma Ensminger, Joey Lai, Kelsey Jenkins, and Jen Salling. Jen Salling, another former Olympian. Um, and then the outfield, we got Erica Polidori, Larissa Franklin, Victoria Hayward, and Jennifer Gilbert. I really hope I didn't miss anyone. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got everyone. Um, but yeah, the cool thing about our team is like, we really have, we're really going to use all 15 players, um, in all games in order mm -hmm. to, um, put our best team forward. You know what, Jen, it really has to be exciting from, uh, your point of view as a softball player to see the sport back in the Olympics. I'm a huge softball fan. I've been to some international competitions, Clarkie as well, and really looking forward to it. And, and the team must be ecstatic about it, uh, being back in the biggest stage it can be yeah we're super excited i think the whole softball world was really excited when it got put back into the olympics i think it was in 2016 when it was announced and um i think just having that to work towards and like having the ability to play on the biggest stage um in the world and it definitely sucked especially for the former olympians to have that taken away from them after 2008 um i think it's really cool to be able to have them on our team and just be able to look towards them for some guidance just to get a sense of what the Olympics are like and just kind of learn from their past experiences. So yeah, we're super stoked. Jenna, tell us about, Oh, sorry. I was no, going to ask, ahead, uh, tell us about the competition. The Americans, I think ranked number one coming in Canada, ranked number two, which is great. Um, after that, where's your competition going to come from the host Japanese team? I'm sure. Yeah. So definitely um, I would, say the top competitor i think us is number one mm -hmm. uh japan's number two and then oh. we're number three right now okay. um and then the cool thing about the olympics though especially because it's just this five or six games it really could be anyone's anyone's mm -hmm. game so i would say we can't really overlook the other teams that might not have been as strong previously just because they could really show up and um play a great game so i would say definitely us and japan we would have to bring our a game but then I would say also with Mexico, mm. Italy, and even Australia, I feel like especially Mexico and Australia in the past, we've had mm -hmm. um, close games with them. So just um, being able to go at every game with that same mindset of um, just going for it. It's funny you, you mentioned those teams and Steve was talking about us going to an international competition. Steve and I were at the, uh, the U19s in Irvine, California. What, I guess that was two years ago now and uh, watched some great ball. Um, a Japanese pitcher, Goto, is she on the team? I'm pretty sure she is. I yeah. think, yeah, I remember when we went to Irvine for the, the U.S. Cup. Um, that was when I think she first got onto the, the okay. senior team and we saw her pitch. I think she pitched against us for a mm. part of the game, but um, she's definitely one of the up and coming Japan pitchers that we have to. 
Yeah, for sure. That the uh, gold medal game in that was Steve, if I'm not mistaken, went to extra innings, and it wasn't scoreless going into the ninth or seventh, I should say. It was back to back changeup. Second one went over yeah. the fence. Two run home run for the U.S. to win the game. Yeah, in the gold medal game. So Janet, uh, also in in the Olympics with the way the format is, I mean, this isn't a best three out of five or four out of seven. I mean, each game is so pivotal. Yeah, for sure. Like. We only have five, I guess, round robin games. So each game does matter because it goes towards your your final record in order to seed you for the bronze medal game and then the gold medal game. Um, so yeah, it's not like your typical softball tournament where there's a loser's bracket, winner's bracket, anything like that. So um, each and every one of those five games will definitely matter um, for us to shoot for that gold medal. Chatting with Janet Leung, the shortstop of the Canadian women's softball team competing in the Olympics. The 2020 Olympics, of course, bumped back a year, still being held in Tokyo. Those will kick off July 23rd. Go ahead, Clarky. I was just going to ask Janet. We asked Corbin uh, some of the coaches and mentors along the way in his career. Janet, your chance now to uh, mention some of your coaches along the way and be careful. <laughs> I will. I wish I could name all of them because I feel, I really do feel like everyone's had such a big impact um, on my softball career. Um, I guess going back to like the earlier days, um, Coach Chris was definitely one of my coaches earlier on, um, I think for the all-star team. Yeah, um, all-star, yeah. So that was before I got into rep ball and yeah, you were about, well, let's be honest, you were about eight years old at that point, I think. You weren't very old at that point. You, and yeah. not to interrupt you, but okay. I always wanted Janet to pitch. So Janet was pitching <laughs> oh. when she was young, um, but she has now moved on to shortstop. No more pitching, right? Yeah, no more pitching, thankfully, for my team and everyone else. Um, <laughs> but it's cool to look back at those pictures and just see yeah. me always in my pitching motion for all my action shots. So another... One of my coaches earlier on, I would say Mary Andrews and Jim Seth, where they had a big impact um, in my earlier days. They allowed me to just have fun with softball. And really, I think that's when I really fell in love with the game. Um, just having fun with my friends on weekends and just learning about the game from them was amazing. Um, and then I would say just fast forward to my high school years when um, softball started to become a, a little bit more serious, I would say. Roger Davis, uh, Aaron Foreman, they're huge with um, my softball fundamentals as well. Um, but I think one of the biggest coaches um, or biggest influences in my life for softball would be um, Pat Acton. I only played for him for a year, um, but I trained with him a lot. And I think that was a pivotal moment in my softball career. I just was able to mm -hmm. I guess take softball more seriously. And I realized that I could really go somewhere with softball. And um, it wasn't really until then, until I played for him that I realized I could go to the States for softball on a scholarship, um, play for the national team. And I think um, I'm really thankful for my relationship with him. I'm still close with him. We still mm -hmm. train here and there and I still chat with him. Um, so super thankful for, for his guidance throughout my, mm -hmm. I guess, older softball years. Well, and I, then I would say now on, sorry, I would say now on the national team, um, I'm close with the infield coaches. So coach Mal Basilio and then coach, um, Chris Jones as well. So I work with them pretty closely and, um, I would say they've been a crucial part of my softball journey as well. 
Nice. Well, I, if, if I can, I have been bragging. Um, I'm proud of you. Very proud of you. Um, it's kind of neat to say you've actually coached an Olympic athlete, even though it was a long time ago, but I am very proud of you and, um, and Janet's parents, Tom and Kitty. Kitty was always the, um, the team photographer, had thousands and thousands of pictures um, all the time. So it was really cool. You then went to Brown University after all that. Um, tell us mm -hmm. about your experience at Brown. Yeah, so I went to Brown for four years um, for, for university, and it was definitely a different experience, um, I guess, going from just normal travel ball to, to NCAA softball. I think, um, although I knew, I thought I knew what I was getting myself into, it was definitely, it hits you differently your freshman year. And I think um, just the amount of practice hours, like in the gym, also on the field, and then um, traveling for games as well. Um, and having to balance that with school and education, I feel like that was definitely a little bit tricky in the beginning, but luckily, um, like the upperclassmen or coaches were very supportive and were just able to guide us through, through those, those years. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed my four years at Brown. Um, definitely learned a lot there on the softball field, also in school. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was, we didn't, we weren't, super competitive there, I guess, but it was definitely still a good experience with um, NCAA softball and I enjoyed my time there. Janet, I'm curious. We asked Corbin this as well. You know, you watch a sport, you become a fan of a sport. Generally, when you do that, especially as a younger person, you kind of get attached to certain athletes, certain teams. Uh, you played in the NCAA, and that has been full of star softball players. I mean, you look at the Jenny Finches of the world, Dot Richardson, Jess Mendoza, of course, some of the big, big names all time in NCAA women's softball. Who were some of the athletes that you initially got attached to, maybe were inspired by? Yeah, um, it's funny because I feel like at least when I was in high school or when I was looking up to other softball players, I feel like the coverage wasn't as good um, or it just maybe didn't reach out to Canada, unfortunately. So we didn't have those the easy access to just NCAA softball games on ESPN. Um, so I kind of just turned to people closer, closer to me, either from home or from the Canadian national team. Um, I think like thinking back to my high school days, just looking up to other athletes that were on team Canada, like Jen Salling, Megan Timp, um, Joey Lye, which is pretty cool for me now, like to be teammates with them. And it's cool that I was able to look up to them now and just still look up to them current, like now, but, um, in a different role, I guess, like, side by side instead of just looking at them from far away or admiring them from far away. <laughs> Absolutely. And Clarky, I mean, he tried to shoehorn you into pitching when you were young and he was coaching you <laughs> now pit, pitching. I'm fascinated by pitching both in a baseball sense and softball. They're very different pitching in baseball. You're on a mound it, it's generally a downward trajectory where in softball you're 46 feet instead of 60 you're on flat ground and the the pitching traje trajectory is generally upward it's a completely different adjustment and I, I don't know i'm sure you've maybe seen all those great highlights of when jenny finch was going around on her tour pitching to albert pujols and, and barry bonds and they, they couldn't hit her. They, like, they didn't know what to do with it. How difficult is it to adjust to that? Because having a pitch come up is completely different. Just talk us through what it's like stepping into the box 
and how different that is from somebody who's maybe used to seeing baseball style pitches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just bringing up the, this week in baseball. I remember watching those, uh, those clips with uh, Jenny Finch coming in to pitch to the MLB players. And it was always really entertaining um, watching the guys whip at, whip at her pitches. Um, but yeah, so in the women's game, it's 43 feet from the mound. Um, and like you said, they have the upward trajectory, but they also have the downward trajectory and then the mixing of speeds too, which I guess is the same as baseball. But like you said, with that different trajectory, it just, it kind of changes your approach at the plate. I feel like it's, especially at this elite level, um, with the higher speeds, you can't cover everything just because of the, the different planes. Um, so I would say now at this level, um, hitters are more looking for one or the other, trying to sell out to one or the other, um, in order to just be more successful at their at bats. And then obviously with the two strike approach, it's a little bit different. Um, but I think having that extra trajectory and having balls move left and right and throwing the change up in there, it definitely makes things a lot harder. And I feel like, especially with the rise ball, you don't really realize how much it's moving until you're standing in the box you see the ball moving coming off a pitching machine or someone throwing it in you're like oh I could hit that but then once you're in the box like even our mentality right now with the rise ball it's like you got to miss above it like you think you're going to hit it by swinging to where you see it but like Mm. you got to swing above that in order to really square it up Yeah, it's really scary when the uh, catcher's crouched and then by the time they catch the pitch they're standing up Um, yeah (laughs) now interesting enough there's a strategy in the women's game that's really pronounced and very well done. The slap hit. Um, does, does Canada have a few slap hitters on their team or are you more drive it up the middle type? Yeah, we do have a couple um, hitters on our team that do slap. Um, I think the cool thing is because with softball being a lot closer, the game's just a lot faster and like being able to just put the ball on the ground and being like already running to first, I feel that's like a huge advantage, especially if you're quick and Luckily on our team, we have a lot of quick people on the left side. So, um, but I think the cool thing is with those slap hitters, like they're not just slap hitters. Like if you know you're facing an opponent that just slaps the ball, you can play them really in. Um, but the slappers on our team, like they're a triple threat. So they can hit for power, they can bind. So you really can't just sell it to a short ball and throw them out at first. Um, so I think especially at this level, you don't see as many true slappers anymore they're more triple threat i would say well the degree of difficulty is just insane and and you know i i referenced that you know jenny finch when she was doing her tour i'd advise everybody who's listening and watching to uh find a video on youtube by uh, a channel called baseball doesn't exist where they did a comparison of the two different pitching styles and there's a clip of jenny finch throwing albert pujols one of the great hitters of all time uh a curveball and he just steps out of the box and laughs like he it, he can't believe it it's, it's completely different and the degree of difficulty is unbelievable i i have so much respect for what you guys do um janet we really appreciate you doing this uh, i just have one final question obviously it's going to be really special to go over to Tokyo and play in the Olympics representing Canada. What does that mean to you to be able to represent your country? Just how special does that feel? Yeah, it's truly an honor to be able to represent my country and wear that maple leaf in Canada across my chest. Um, I think it's really hard to put into words if I'm being honest. Um, But when you're out there on the field with your best friends, with your teammates and just 
having that atmosphere and that environment to play in and hearing the national anthem before your game, like all of that and knowing who you're playing for and what you're playing for and um, all the fans and family and friends back home who are cheering you on. Um, it's truly an honor to be able to represent all of that um, across the world. And I'm super grateful for the opportunity and I can't wait to bring Canada home a, go a gold medal. Well, we're super grateful that you gave us some of your time. We know you're busy down in Florida and enjoy the weather down there. And we're so excited to watch you guys compete at the Olympics. Thanks so much for doing this. Janet Leung, the shortstop for the Canadian women's softball team. Best of luck in Tokyo. We're excited for you to bring gold home as well. Thank you, Janet. Thank you so much. All right, we'll take one more quick break here on MWO Sports. When we come back, myself and the guys, there's lots to talk about. The Stanley Cup rages on. Clarkie's crossing his fingers that Montreal won't get a win and they'll get swept. We'll talk about that. And also uh, another, unfortunately, scandal-filled week in the sports world across a number of sports. We're going to touch on that next year on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabern and Clarkie. Really appreciative of our two great guests who are representing Canada and representing us well. Corbin Smith of the Canadian men's para ice hockey team joined us in the first segment. And of course, Janet Leung, the shortstop for the Canadian women's softball team, heading over to Tokyo for the Olympics, which kick off July 23rd. Uh, Steve? Something, uh, somebody else rather that's going to be at the Olympics. We now know it is confirmed. Corey Connors of Listowel, Ontario, will join Mackenzie Hughes to represent the men on uh, uh, at the Olympic stage. Uh, obviously, we'd love to have Corey on. We understand he's busy. We're going to try and get him on at some point, likely after the Olympics. Hopefully, sporting a shiny gold medal. But obviously, great news. Uh, everybody in Listowel really excited, and uh, Corey's going to represent Canada well and give us a great shot at winning. Yeah, ranked 37th in the world uh, on the Pro Tour, of course, and uh, he is so excited. I sat in on the news conference this past week, uh, and it's something that uh, he's really uh, taking a hold of. And, you know, him and uh, Mackenzie Hughes have a history, right? They competed with each other uh, back in NCAA. Uh, and they went to school together. They've been competing against each other, you know, in their young teens when they were traveling the province uh, to different golf tournaments. So they're really familiar with each other. Um, and as much as it, it's, it's an ind individual sport, um, when you go over to, to compete in Tokyo, uh, you're, you're still trying to support each other, uh, and push each other to be your best. We can't forget Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp, uh, representing the team as well as part of the women's event. Um, and there was a question about the format. Now the format is a 72 whole stroke play like you would at any other PGA uh, tournament. But Corey brought up a point. He said, it'd be pretty interesting if you could do some sort of team format, um, mm -hmm. you know, in a best ball or something like that, where you pair up with your fellow uh, country person and go out or have a mixed format where you team up with uh, your counterpart on the women's side and go out and, and compete for a country maybe in one or two rounds. So, uh, you know, golf could be evolving at the Olympics into kind of different situations, which would be really interesting. But at the end of the day, Corey Connors, uh, ready to represent Canada. Uh, he's 
he's put on the Canadian uh, golf shirt before at other international tournaments. But as we mentioned earlier in the show, this is the biggest international stage for sports and he will be ready to go. Um, I just want to say thanks to our two guests, Corbin Smith and Janet Leung from earlier. I really hope, I really hope that softball fans across Midwestern Ontario will tune into the women's game. Uh, it's going to be super competitive and fantastic and a real boost to uh, women's sports. And I'm really looking forward uh, to watching these teams battle out because Clarky, we also saw some potential uh, Olympians on the Australian side when we were down in California and Australia has a great women's program at this point as well. So uh, really looking forward to that. Yeah, they do. And it's fun to watch. I mean, you can get into a game so easily, um, you know, like you watch Puerto Rico play Mexico and it'll be a great game. Uh, it really will. And uh, the Canadians have a chance, Steve, as you know, like when you're ranked in the top three in the world, you have a chance and uh, any given day, anyone can beat anybody. And uh, as Janet said, you know, they got to take every game seriously, but obviously the Japan and the U S games, they have to be on, on uh, their best, uh, um, you know, put out their best effort. Um, but I tell you, they could they could uh, walk home with a gold, and that'd be unbelievable. Yeah, they just have to basically do the opposite of what the Maple Leafs do every spring, Clarky. Um, and and they're definitely uh, capable of doing that. You're I'm hilarious. Sorry. I'm yeah, sorry, hilarious. brother. I I, I apologize. Uh, I'm not that sorry, actually. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting too. And and Steve, you, you mentioned you know the. Uh, the need for more of a platform and more attention on, on women's sports. And there are a load of streaming options. I know, uh, I know they do a lot of YouTube streams and they're very easy to find streams uh, as well. And of course, you know, CBC always does a good job of covering the Olympics uh, here in Canada. I'm sure that they will be televising some of these games, particularly if Canada, like we hope and think challenge for gold. Uh, I, I did see an announcement today from, from streaming giant DAZN in the sports world that they will be carrying uh, women's premier league games next year, which is huge. That's massive. Um, I can't wait to watch that. That, uh, particularly because Chelsea is really, really good. Um, so I'm excited for that. And, and you're right. Uh, if, if people in the area that are listening, watching the show um, are softball fans, definitely tune in because Canada is not only going to have a great opportunity to win, but you're going to be able to see some incredible athletes competing at the very, very highest level. Um, guys, you know, it's been uh, an interesting couple weeks in the world of sports uh, for many negative reasons of late. Uh, I'm sure everybody now very well aware of what's going on with the Chicago Blackhawks organization. If you're not up to speed, uh, two former players on their 2010 Stanley Cup team accused then video coach Brad Aldrich of sexually assaulting them. Uh, allegedly, the players went to one of the coaches, uh, Gary Vincent, who uh, was a skills coach. And he took the allegations to upper management. Allegedly, there was a meeting and it is alleged that the upper management and that would include at the time, John McDonough, Stan Bowman, what have you. We don't know who else was there, uh, did not take it to police. And uh, this organization is is on the coals right now and rightly so. And And if you're not familiar with this. Brad Aldrich left the team after the team won the cup, got his name engraved on Lord Stanley, 
went and worked in high school hockey in Houghton, Michigan, and he sexually assaulted a 17-year-old player there, was convicted of that, and is a registered sex offender in the United States. Um, the Blackhawks, if they knew about this, and they wrote him a positive reference letter, which they did do, we know that, to allow him to go on to other positions. Um, if they knew that this happened and they wrote this letter and allowed him to go on and uh, sexually uh, assault a minor, which we know did happen, he was charged for that. Boy, guys, you know, hockey's gone through an awful lot in terms of bad press and, and sports at the highest level have, you know, we, we see the Marcelo Zuna case in baseball. We see now the Trevor Bauer case in, in baseball. If you're not familiar, just Google that guys. It's really upsetting stuff. I'll warn everybody. If you're going to Google the, the Trevor Bauer stuff, it's their graphic details out there in the stories on the athletic and what have you. If, if that type of thing upsets you, I wouldn't recommend you read it, but to bring it back to the Blackhawks here, your thoughts on this situation, guys, it's ever evolving. They have now confirmed they're going to do an independent investigation by a lawyer they hired, and they haven't committed to making the results public. It just seems like the NHL and Gary Bettman did his press conference, the state of the league and everything. He got peppered with questions. They can never seem to just put their foot right and do what's right. Your opinion on this, Clarky? I'll start with you. Well, if it, it's, it, I mean, it's an awful, awful. It could be one of the worst stories in in sports history. Like Certainly, when, when when this came out, and and you know, with involving coach and players, and then he goes on and does that. Like you know, there was a big scandal at Maple Leaf Gardens that I'm sure a lot of people know about as That's well. Right. Um, but this just seems, in my mind, um, to you know, like be worse than that. Um, I mean, at the end of the day. Um, a lot of bad things happen with the garden scandal too, obviously. Um, but this is, this is awful. This is just awful. And uh, boy, oh boy, like there's gotta be some um, serious repercussions, not only to the uh, Chicago Blackhawk organization, but those who covered this up or didn't take it to the authorities. It, like something's got to happen, has to happen. Steve. Well, I think it's a failure on the league too to address yes. this. This this isn't a okay. You got to clean up your backyard situation. This no. is a full blown investigation because I mean, you look at history. You look at what happened with the U.S. gymnastics program. You oh, looked at yeah. You know, it's just mm -hmm. I mean, people are getting hurt. Like you're ignoring people. This isn't something that you just you know, do a report from a lawyer that you hired. This is something that has to be seriously investigated and looked at. You have proof of something that happened down the line because of inaction in the past. Mm -hmm. And that has to be, that has to be held accountable. I mean, I, why the league isn't stepping in in a more forceful manner. I, and I know the commissioner's office is there to represent the owners. But no, this is. Uh, I'm sure their lawyers have told them, like, just. Well, you say can't say anything. Like, yeah, you can't say anything in the public right? forum, right? Because you know, yeah. you, you go to the court of law and, and and all that stuff. But I mean, um, it just the it's still a perception of inaction. 
100%. But at this this point, they're listening to their lawyers, and that's what they're going to do. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough situation. Of course, the allegations are extremely serious, and and it's more pronounced now that more former players who are putting their name to quotes uh, in Rick Westhead's story, in Katie J. Strang's story on the Athletic as well, um, are are lending their name and saying, "Use my name, use my quotes." Nick Boynton, who was on that team, uh, we saw Brent Sopel come out and say the front office should be in jail. Uh, oh, you John, know what, Ryan? Like, yeah, John. Maybe Torchetti, they should be. Yep, former assistant coach, associate coach, I should say, on that team, that 2010 uh, Cup winning team. John Torchetti came out and said everyone knew this wasn't a secret. We knew Dan Carciller, who was Dan Carcillo, pardon me, who was their opponent in that Cup final, playing for the Flyers, said their team had heard whispers of it and and knew about it as well. I'll just say this. If it is true, and you know we can't pronounce guilt on this show, it's a dangerous thing to do. But given what we know and and what we know about Brad Aldrich, if it's true that Stan Bowman and John McDonough and the rest of upper management that were in this alleged meeting with Gary Vincent and they decided to cover this up and did and and not take this to the police to protect the well-being of their players. In my opinion, all of their names should be stricken from the Stanley Cup. They should receive lifetime bans from participating in sport at any level in any sport. The Chicago Blackhawks should be fined a significant amount of money. I don't know what that is and donate it to sexual assault recovery uh, initiatives, times up, what have you. And they should lose a significant amount of draft picks for this. Um, and and whatever punishment is levied will probably still not feel like it's enough. Yeah, like I'm, a, I said, almost think that they should like suspend the team for a year, like something drastic. Uh, I, you know what, Clarky? At, at this point, given what's being said and what could potentially be true, I I, I wouldn't take that off the table. I don't know that there's a punishment that's going to be enough for anybody, especially yeah. the victims of this, because yeah. Steve, like you said, this is people we're talking about. I mean, you referenced the USA gymnastics thing. That might be the worst thing I've ever seen. There's a documentary about it on Netflix. You can watch it again. If, if you're sensitive to this kind of information, I wouldn't recommend you watch it, but um, it's called athlete a and um, yeah, we, we got to do better of taking care of each other guys. I mean, especially people in power, this is you're just not, you are on a team. You yeah. are on a team, whether you're a coach or a player. You are supposed to be there for each other. How is does this get missed? Uh, yeah. Time and time again, Sheldon Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Theo, Theo Fleury. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and it's sickening too because you almost think that they said, and, and who knows what they said? I don't know, but it's like they were on a cup run. Right. Don't yeah. disrupt things. You know, here's here's the, the other the, here's the other thing to me where it and this is such a small part of it. But but part of me, you know, couldn't avoid asking myself this. And I've talked with other people about this as well. And they they agree. What if this is all true? What was the point of going to this type of length to cover this up to save the video coach? Yeah. 
Not that this should ever be covered up for anybody if it was anybody. That's what involved. I'm saying about a cup run, right? I I just don't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it, guys. Um, really quick, uh, we're coming up on the end of the show here. We appreciate you guys watching and listening as always. Uh, our our wagering experts, Pat Gregoire and and Chris Abbott, unavailable. I'll throw it a. a a quick bet for you guys. Just one quick one. Last week, uh, I, I mentioned that uh, you should bet on Max Verstappen to win the Styrian Grand Prix. F1 hosting a race at the same racetrack this weekend, the Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring. Take Max to win again. He's going to go back to back. He wants that first F1 title, then beat out Lewis Hamilton. Take Max to finish first and take his teammate, Checo Sergio Perez, to finish top five. Red Bull's going to have a great weekend. Lay some money on that, Steve. Uh, Ryan, just want to tap your brain quickly. Euro coming up. You and I were discussing earlier today. Who do you got picked to go? Oh, man. It, we have some great quarterfinal matchups here. Take England. Yes, Belgium. England. Yeah, they have they have a path here. They have my a path. team. They have a path. They haven't won anything since '66. Come on now, That's England. When I was born. Now, oh, it's all lining up for you, isn't yep. it? Now, yep. uh, the big one: Belgium, Italy. Now, this is going to be interesting. Italy unbeaten in a long time. They don't really concede goals. Belgium, very, very good up top. They've got the best striker in the tournament, in my opinion, and Romelu Lukaku. They are very, very solid in midfield. They've got a dominant goalkeeper. Take Belgium. This is the golden generation's last chance. Take Belgium to upset Italy. The numbers are pretty good. Take them on cool bet and win yourself some money this weekend. All right. Guys, we really appreciate this, our Canada Day special. Uh, we appreciate Corbin Smith of the Canada men's pair ice hockey team, Janet Leung, the shortstop of the Canadian women's softball team, for joining us. We appreciate you guys listening to and watching the show every week. Fridays at 6 on CKNX AM 920, cknx.ca. Friday nights debuting on our YouTube channel at 9. Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV. Of course, you can find the podcast on all the best podcast apps. I'm Ryan Drury. That's Steve Saber, and that's Clark. Let's go lightning. Let's go lightning, I guess. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by coolbet.co.